So I just came back from California. And you ever hear of these God incidences? It's not a coincidence. It has to be God. I want to share one with you. It was really something. So I was, in, I was at a Messianic Jewish congregation. And um, I was coming from Corona, California. And so you fly from, from Ontario Airport to Denver, and from Denver to Milwaukee. And my, my plane from California to Denver was really late, mechanical problems. So I just barely got to my airplane from Milwaukee, and I was flying southwest. And, you know, southwest is one of those you just get on and get your seat, and if you're one of the last ones on, you're probably going to sit in the middle next to two guys about my size, okay? And I wasn't happy about that, but I was the second last on board. And it's amazing. There's these, right in the front, there's these two, there's a seat open. And what's even more amazing, there was a place for my baggage up top. So I go, I go to sit down in the front seat. I said, well, you're one of the few seats that's open. And they were husband and wife, and they moved together, and I had a window seat. And I noticed, I noticed that she's wearing a, first of all, I could look at them, and I said, I know they're Jewish, okay? And so they, um, they're wearing a, the gal's wearing this, uh, a little something, uh, a necklace that says Shema on it, I could tell. And, and so we're just, tra- we're just talking. And uh, where are you from? You know, you know, you know the usual conversation. You know, business or visiting. You know, it's visiting. And where are you from? They said we're from uh, Milwaukee area. I said, well, so am I. We start talking, and I said, um, where'd you go to high school? And she said, where'd you went to Nicolay? And okay, fine. And uh, you know, we're talking. What's your maiden name? And she gives me her maiden name, and I said, is your father a dentist? She said, yes. I said, you know, his sister is my Aunt Lori. And we start talking. And my two cousins who live in Israel are her first cousins that she's very close. And we find out we're sure-tail relatives. We're relatives, sure-tail relatives. And she knows of my family. She knows, she, knows, she knows my brother, my sister. But she said, I never heard of you. I said, I'm sort of the black sheep in the family. And it went over her head. And she says, she says, what do you do for a living? Are you still working? I said, yeah, I sure am. She said, what do you do for a living? So you always start out with the real path. I said, you know, I, I'm a doctor. Oh, what kind of a doctor are you? I said, uh, psychology. Oh, okay, that's very nice. What else, what else, what's the other job you do, you said? I said, I'm a rabbi. She said, oh, what type? conservative, orthodox, progressive. I said, I'm messianic. Her husband said, what's that? <laughs> and then she says, is that a, or, no, I, I said, it, no, she said, I think she said, is that a Jews for Jesus? I said, well, it's not really Jews for Jesus, but it's something like that because I believe in Jesus. And they just looked at me. And they suddenly realized why I was the black sheep. <laughs> And then she said, well, how long have you been doing this? And I said, well, not too long. I, gave, I said, our congregation's a little over eight years old. She said, well, what did you do? I said, well, I still do it. I pastor a church. And, and then her husband says, you're a pastor, you're a rabbi. He said, I can't believe this. 
How can that be? And I, it gave me a chance to really witness, okay? And I, I was very careful on what I said. I don't want to blow them away out of the airplane. But, but um, so, so, so I've got, so she took, she took a picture, a selfie of, of, of she and I, and she said, I'm going to send this to your cousins in Israel, who I used to babysit, who will not, have, not even talk to me today because they think I'm a traitor. And so I said, that'd be wonderful. I'd sure like to know what they have to say when you send them my picture. <laughs> I'm sure they're not going to, she's not going to say like, but this is one of these, I mean, what is the, what, what, is, what are the chances of that happening? You know, front seat, sure tell relatives, you know, coincidences. You know, I'll tell you another coincidence. I got in thinking, years ago, when I was, um, trying to figure out what this Messianic Judaism is all about. I met this guy named Todd Westfall. Todd Westfall. I met him in some conference. And um, we started talking, and um, that's who our speaker is going to be today. Todd, how many of you remember Todd? Look around, Todd. Very few remember you. You see, see, a lot of our regulars aren't even here today. I don't know how regular our regulars are, you know. Those are irregulars. <laughs> so, don't tell them I'm talking bad about them. <laughs> I'm not, I'm not. But you're here, see? You're not one of them. So, so, Todd and I have become really good friends. I've spoken at his congregation. I did my damage. So he says, I'm coming to your congregation. I'm doing damage at your congregation. There's always damage control. F. No, it's not damage control. He's a good man of God. I'm going to tell you what's interesting about Todd. Um, First of all, he's married to a wonderful woman. I've been to his, I've stayed at his home. He's a good guy. But he, he pastors one of the more significant Messianic Jewish congregations, um, I think, in the U.S. It's a, it, a lot, it's well known. And you know the crazy thing is? He, he's the head of a, of a Messianic Jewish congregation. He's not Jewish. Okay? But he understands. He understands the grafted in process and he has a heart for this. And he's, so, he's very successful. And uh, there's a lot of things I could say about him. Uh, he but um, I want to keep him as a friend. <laughs> so, hey, listen. Welcome, Todd Westfall. Amen. It's good to be here with you guys. Um, we have a saying, too, in our Junior Holy Spirit. God is God inside all of us, whether we're eight or eighty. Amen. It's a good thing. And uh, I bring you greetings from Frederick, Maryland. If you're ever out east uh, in Maryland, come visit us. Uh, we'd love to have you. Uh, it's a great little. Thank you. It's a great little. Yeah, I'm not tall enough. It's, it's, you probably thought I had a dot on my head, but. Um, it's a great congregation. People love the Lord. Jews and Gentiles worship Yeshua together. 
you know, being the example of one new man in the midst of our community and uh, Jewish people being released in who God's called them to be uh, and walking out that fullness of their call. Uh, if you uh, have your Bibles, you can turn to Psalm 5. But before I get into that, I want to share a little bit about the importance of who Frank Sussler is at Tikkun International. How many of you have heard Tikkun International before? Great. Very good. And um, the last several years, Frank has come and taught in the leadership seminars of our conferences, uh, shared in congregations around the nation, of which you know because he's been traveling a lot. And I just want you to know how important it is that he's doing this and he has a sense in his heart of how well things are taking place at home. He is a, an apostolic figure and teacher at Tikkun. He comes in, he ministers and builds relationships with the senior leaders. He equips their leadership. He ministers to the body uh, in his own frank way. of which you all know. (laughs) And it's a blessing, you know, because, you know, love is not easily offended. I'll give you an example. He came to speak at El Shaddai, and he gives me a gift. Many of you might remember. He came up. He said, Todd, I want to give you a gift. I'm coming from Wisconsin, and he pulls out a cheese head. And he puts the cheese head on my head. He says, now you're an honorary cheese head from your favorite Green Bay Packer fan. Everybody's laughing, and they go, Todd doesn't need any more cheese, and then he's already cheesy enough. So, um, Which was, you know, I, I took it in love and the, the spirit in which it was given. <laughs> Growing up in Minnesota, born in Rochester, but it's okay, I'm, I'm not a Vikings fan. So, I'm a Cowboys fan. Praying for you going down there, brother. All my life, so I've I've been used to you know racism for a long time, and uh, I know who I am in Messiah now, and I'm strengthened in that identity. But Frank has been instrumental in the gifting that he has as a teacher and a leader. What the Lord has produced in Milwaukee through this congregation, as well as Beth Messiah, uh, it's a real blessing. So we in Tikkun appreciate who Frank is and your heart as a community, allowing him to do that, praying for him, standing with him. It's a real blessing. So please keep him in prayer because I'm sure it's going to continue uh, to grow uh, as he, he ministers, and it's a good thing. Amen? So Psalm 5, I'm going to read through the chapter together. It's not very long. Give ear to my words, O Lord. Consider my meditation. Don't you love the iPad? If you touch it the right way, it goes to the next chapter. <laughs> Give heed to the voice of my cry, my King and my God. For to you I will pray, my voice you shall hear in the morning, O Lord. In the morning I will direct it to you, and I will look up. For you are not a God who takes pleasure in wickedness, nor shall evil dwell with you. 
The boastful shall not stand in your sight. You hate all workers of iniquity. You shall destroy those who speak falsehood. The Lord abhors the bloodthirsty and deceitful man. But as for me, I come into your house in the multitude of your mercy. In fear of you, I worship toward your holy temple. Lead me, O Lord, in your righteousness because of my enemies. Make your way straight before my face, for there is no faithfulness in their mouth. Their inward part is destruction. Their throat is an open tomb. They flatter with their tongue. Pronounce them guilty, O God. Let them fall by their own counsels. Cast them out of the multitude of Cast them out in the multitude of their transgressions, for they have rebelled against you. But let all those rejoice who put their trust in you. Let them ever shout for joy, because you defend them. Let those also who love your name be joyful in you, for you, O Lord, will bless the righteous. With favor you surround him as with a shield. Let's pray together. Father, we just thank you for your word today. And we have come because we want to see you. We want to worship you and glorify you. But Lord, we desire to be changed. We desire to be conformed to the image of Jesus. We want to be more like him. We want to see more of his character, more of his love, more of his strength inside of us. Lord, may we grow in the knowledge of you today. Holy Spirit, we ask that you would come. Bo Ruach Elohim. Come, Holy Spirit, come. Teach us the word today. Instruct us in righteousness. Lord, we know that the path of righteousness is narrow, and few are they who walk on it. And the path of unrighteousness is wide and broad, and many are they who walk on it. But we want to be a people who walk in the path of righteousness, who see your word, who hear your voice and obey and do it. And we just thank you, Lord, for your presence with us today. In Jesus' name, and everybody said, Amen. As I said, I was raised in Minnesota, born by the Mayo Clinic. My mother was born and raised in Spring Valley, Minnesota. My brothers and family all live there. They live in Leroy, Stewartville, Rochester, around that whole area, Faribault. But my great-grandmother, Cora Oviatt, how many of you have got to know your great-grandmothers in your life? A few. A few. It's not, it doesn't happen that often. But she was an amazing lady, Cora Oviatt. You don't hear that name very often, Cora. She was a strong believer in Jesus. She loved the Lord. She was in her 80s. And we would visit. And this was in... I would say the early 70s. She loved Oral Roberts. She had Richard Roberts' albums of worship in her house, playing them on the record player. All you guys that are teenagers can Google that later. <laughs> it was a wonderful time. But one day a storm came, much like what Scott was talking about, and she lived in this rickety old house. It was one of those houses where you started high and ended low. 
at the end of the house. And the floors were, you know, wavy, a nice place to skateboard. And the storm started to hit, and the house started to shake. And my brother and I were there, and we're very young, maybe eight or nine. And we, she gathers us around the ottoman, around the hassock, around the footstool, says, we need to start praying. So we all start to pray. And she says, Lord, I pray that you would protect us and protect our home from this storm. That you would watch over my grandchildren, that you would be with us. And she's just praying from her heart unto the Lord. The storm comes and goes, and we're still there. So we get up and go start playing. She says, no, no, no. Now we're going to thank the Lord for protecting us. And we start to pray and thank Him for His protection. How many of you have had a praying mother, grandmother, relative, friend in your life that's prayed for you when you need it the most? It was an example of Jesus to you. Amen. The rest of you, I'll pray for you that that you'll get one. Maybe you can be one. But it made an impact in my little soul at that time. And uh, from that moment on, I really couldn't go to sleep without praying at night. I had to pray. And I just began to sense the calling of the Lord in my life. I got saved at a Baptist vacation Bible school when I was 12. And uh, went back to my Methodist church and continued building a testimony of unrighteousness until I was out of high school into the Navy, rededicated my life in the Navy. The son of a Danish cheese-eating pig farmer who's Lutheran, my mother's Methodist. And when I left that Baptist vacation Bible school, it was so alive. And the, the confession of faith in Jesus was so real. I was weeping at 12 years old. You know, and Baptists aren't known for being charismatic. But the presence of the Holy Spirit bringing me to the Lord was very real. And then I went back to my Methodist church with dead people sitting up. No life in the community, no ministry, no word being taught, just kind of a religious routine. And just kind of fall, fell back into my own routine as a teenager. But I knew that my great-grandmother was praying for me. I knew that she had uh, called my name in prayer. There's an old gospel song. I heard my mother call my name in prayer. How many of you have heard that song? Not anyone. (laughs) Yeah, well, not many of you listen to bluegrass, I guess. Ricky Skaggs. How many of you have heard of Ricky Skaggs? Okay, you can Google him. He sings that song. I heard my mother call my name in prayer. It's a great song. He came into his house from carousing and drinking and doing his thing, and there his mother was kneeling, crying out to the Lord in prayer, crying his name. So uh, God hears prayer. With everything that's going on in the world today, the things that we face every day, the trials, the issues, You know, we live in D.C. Most of our congregation commute. How many of you commute to your work here? Drive more than like 10 minutes. A few of you. They commute, you know, an hour. Many of them take a train for an hour and a half into D.C. and then come back. Uh, There's a lot of issues going on in our nation's capital, as you know. A lot of things that are being decided and done. Uh, Our nation is being shaken 
our identity is being lost. The nation of Israel is not being supported by our nation the way it was in the past. And it didn't matter in the past whether it was a Democrat or a Republican. The nation stood with Israel. There's a real shaking going on in the earth. We're seeing a lot of things happening right now. Wars, rumors of wars, natural disasters. You know, it's, it's unbelievable, isn't it? It's amazing. There's too much going on. Our lives are so busy. We have so much information at our fingertips. I can travel anywhere in the world and pull up anything about any place that I go at my fingertips. There's so much information bombarding our souls coming in. Uh, I remember in the 90s, Josh McDowell wrote a book about how in the early 50s, one grandparent in 70% of the homes in America lived in the homes with their children. And he said in the 90s, it was down to like, I think he said 2% in the book. The nation has changed and is changing. What was important is being lost in the fog of information uh, and things that we have and things that we do. And I began to seek the Lord. I was in Israel earlier this year and last year, and there were some prophetic things spoken over me. And it began to stir inside of me that we needed an awakening of prayer. We needed an awakening of crying out to the Lord. Not just the Lord's prayer, not just God is great, God is good, and I thank Him for this food. Not just now I lay me down to sleep, I pray the Lord my soul to keep. Those are all great prayers. I began to realize that young people didn't need to be preached at, they needed to be challenged. They didn't need to be taught a whole lot, they needed to be equipped and released. And then we began to pray. And the Lord gave me this idea for our community. I get up at 3.30 in the morning and I come in and I catch the commuters before they hit the road. From 4.30 to 7, every Tuesday morning, we have intercessory prayer. The prayer isn't just for a focus for our own private selves or our homes. It's a crying out time of prayer. It's a harp and bowl crying out like IHOP. It's a crying out to the Lord for His presence and for Him to move on our hearts and in our nation. And one morning we were praying and I just began to weep before the Lord and He brought me to this chapter in Psalms. Give ear to my words, O Lord. Consider my meditation. Give heed to the voice of my cry. If you look throughout the history of the church and the history of revival, what preceded the great awakenings in the earth was a group of people crying out for the presence of God to be poured out over their nation, over their city. And I just began to cry out. We began to intercede and pray. We kind of left the place of you know, really focused prayers that kind of had a list. And we entered into just a place of crying out and people would begin to read scriptures and intercede. And 
We've been doing it for about a month and a half now, and the Lord is just continuing. More and more people come. Some come, can only stay a half hour. Some come and stay the whole time. Uh, And we just have begun to really pray and intercede and see the Lord begin to work in our life. Here's David crying out because of all of the issues that he faces in his life. The responsibility is being a king. The responsibility uh, of a nation crying out before the Lord and the enemies of that nation pressing in against him, asking for wisdom and insight, crying out, interceding between the porch and the altar for his people and for himself. And as I was reading down through it, a few points jumped out in my heart. Obviously, David was Jewish, the king of Israel. Alvino Melchenu, say Alvino. Melchenu. Melchenu. Yeah, Hebrew is made up, you know, you know, actually I heard Yiddish is made up of Hebrew and phlegm. <laughs> Melchenu, which means my father and my king. My God, my father and my king. So he's crying out to his heavenly father and, and to his king. He says, to you I pray. You hear my voice. In the morning, I will look up. And it began to waken something in me. That the Lord was wanting the first fruits of my day. Not giving it to the schedule that I had to keep and the meetings that I had to have. Not even having breakfast first, but to personally give Him the first fruits of my day. Just like He wants the first fruits of the provision that He gives me financially. And I began to realize if I would give him the first fruits of my day, he would impart to me a grace and an understanding because he knows what I'm going to face in the day. I was too busy not to pray and not to give him the first fruits. And look, I'm a night person. I'm an evening guy. I, you know, the Navy kind of changed my schedule when I was in it to getting up early and having to deal with all that. And I know how hard it is to wake up. It's not easy to wake up early in the morning to pray. There's nothing easy. You don't feel like we felt in worship today at 3.30 in the morning. You got the eye cheese going. Your hair is all messed up. You feel about as anointed as a piece of driftwood. You know, but I want you to know your flesh does not want to get up So you have to know that it's a spiritual thing. Your flesh wants to stay in that bed, grab that pillow and nestle next to your, your wife and just stay there, you know. But when you get up and you pray through, you pray through the veil of the flesh, you get through the feeling of awkwardness and heaviness and being sleepy into the place of being in the presence of the Holy Spirit of God in a way that has awakened your soul. And you begin to give God the first fruits. And I began to see that many times when we pray, just like we did today, when I said, let's pray, our heads go down. Now, I'm not trying to make fun of being, we want to be sober before the Lord. We want to fear Him. He is awesome. He's the God of all creation. But David said, I will look up. 
He also wrote, I will look to the hills from whence comes my help. The scripture also says in the prophet Isaiah, watch and pray. So I began to get a sense from the Lord that He wanted me by faith when I was praying to look for Him to bring the answer. To watch for a move of His presence in me and in the day for those Moedim, those divine appointments, those Kairos moments that you had on the plane. To be ready for those. And they always come when you feel the, less, the least spiritual that you ever feel. Your boss just chewed you out. The dog ate something and left it in a place it shouldn't. All of the issues are going on. And then the moment of opportunity comes. And the Lord wants us to be a people prepared. Prepared in prayer. So that first few verses was just a, an exhortation for us to give the Lord the first fruits. God takes no pleasure in wickedness. Prideful arrogancy will not stand in His sight. Proverbs 3.34 We know that it takes humility to pray. When we come before the Lord and humble ourselves in His presence. And we take all of our ability, all of our education, all of our gifting, all of our money, all of the authority that we feel and know that we have, and we lay it all down before Him. And say, Lord, my identity is in you, in your presence in me. I submit all that I am and all that I have to you. Draw from it, use it for the glory of your name in the earth. And we begin to see opportunities in our community being opened by the sovereignty of the Lord. The last few verses jumped out of my heart, and I'll close with this thought. Let's go there. Verse 11 and 12. But let all rejoice who put their trust in you. Let them ever shout for joy because you defend them. Let those also who love your name be joyful in you. For you, O Lord, will bless the righteous with favor. You surround him as with a shield. David knew that his defense was the Lord. He said it earlier on in this chapter. He knew that the Lord was the one who killed Goliath. He knew that the Lord was the one that killed the lion and the bear. He knew in his life that the enemies being defeated were going to be defeated by the presence of the Lord. We as believers in Jesus know that we don't wrestle with flesh and blood, but powers and principalities, rulers in this dark age. Jesus said in John 17 when He prayed for His disciples, Lord, I don't pray that You take them out of the world, but I pray that You would keep them from the evil one. In other words, I'm not going to disengage them from the battle, but I want You to protect them in the midst of the battle. Because as You and I, Father, are one, it is my prayer that they through me and in you would be one, as we are one. Crying out for those who believed in Him. And I began to see this beautiful picture in the Lord. 
The favor of the Lord surrounds us as a shield. You know, when you hear the word shield, the first thing you think of, you know, is like a shield, you know, that maybe a a knight would use. Or a shield like that's on your helmet or on your motorcycle. But the shield of the favor of the Lord surrounds us. It's like a force field. And I began to see that the presence of the Lord with, a, with His people surrounds us. His favor surrounds us. That favor and presence of the Lord surrounding you when the boss calls you into the office, when the teacher calls you into the classroom, when your parents call you into your bedroom. The presence of the Lord is with you. His favor is with you. God is involved in the affairs of men. He's alive in the earth in you and in me. And having that understanding, when I give Him the first fruits of the day, how many of you saw the movie The Green Lantern? A few hands. I used to read that comic book when I was a kid. He's got the Green Lantern ring, right? He doesn't choose the ring, the ring chooses him. God has chosen us in Messiah. Before we ever thought about him, he had us in his heart and mind. And there's a part of that movie when ultimate evil is just encroaching in on him, and he has got this ring and the force field is around him holding it back. And it seems really close, but he's protected in it. And I thought of David, you know, a thousand will fall at one side and 10,000 at the other, but it won't come near my dwelling. The understanding of the presence of the Lord with you wherever you go, the favor of God surrounding you as a shield. Why are you favored? Because he blesses you with finances, because he blesses you with health. Those are all wonderful blessings. The blessing of God is His presence with you. You have His favor because His presence is with you. His favoring you is Him hanging out with you. Him being in you. Him being involved in your day. Him giving you wisdom to deal with a problem that you just can't find the answer to. And Him giving it to you at the moment you need it. And you glorifying Him at the moment that you walk it out. And the people going, that's the answer we need. And you going, I can't take the credit. The Lord dropped this in my heart. That's the living testimony of who we are. So I want to pray for us. Because we're all busy people. We're all people who have jobs, children, homes, lives that we're leading. But I feel like the Lord wants to awaken afresh and anew in this community for the sake of Milwaukee, for the sake of the call of God for this city. A prayer initiative in your hearts personally and as a community before the Lord. So let's go to the Lord in prayer. I want to encourage you to look around while we pray. 
to look at your brothers and sisters, to believe that God is going to come and move in the midst of our prayer. Look for the answer. Many of you know each other. You know the struggles that you face. You call each other for prayer. So Lord, right now as a community, we come before you and we ask for you on behalf of the glory of your name and the work of your kingdom to move in the hearts of your people. That you would touch our hearts as a community. That you would knit us together in prayer. That we would be a people committed to you and to one another covenantally to see nothing less than the fullness of God's presence in this community and in this city, in our homes. We cry out for our neighbors, to the person on our left and the person on our right, to the person in front of us and person in back of us. Lord, that You would move, that You would touch hearts and lives with power, that You would saturate this congregation and this city with the anointing of Your presence, that You would break off the strongholds of darkness that hold back the glory of the Lord, that there would be an open heavens, Almighty God, over our families, over our congregation, over our homes. We as Your people cry out, O God, move, O God, for the glory of Your name. We can do all kinds of things, but unless You move first, it's all in vain. Lord, move by Your Spirit. We will follow. We cry out, O Lord. Our programs are wonderful. Our teachings are great. But when people have an encounter with the power of God's presence, they're undone for the rest of their life. God, we want to see that happen in our life. We want to see it happen in our friends. We want to see it happen in our enemies. God, may they encounter You the way that Joshua encountered You. The way that Moses encountered You. The way that David encountered You. The way that the disciples encountered You. May they see the power of God. May they know the goodness of God in the land of the living. Lord, help us not to just have short prayers. Give us, Lord, endurance to intercede and stand in the places that are uncomfortable until we see You move. We don't need a doctrine. We don't need a theological degree. But we need a burden from Your Spirit to cry out on behalf of Your heart for the lost, Your heart for the needy, Your heart for Your people. Lord, I pray these few verses from Jude over us as Your people. And I close with this cry and this prayer from Jude. But you, beloved, building yourselves up in your most holy faith, praying in the Holy Spirit, keeping yourselves in the love of God, looking, looking for the mercy of our Lord Jesus Christ unto eternal life. On some have compassion, making distinction, but others save with fear, pulling them out of the fire, hating even the garment defiled by the flesh. Now to Him who is able to keep you from stumbling and to present you faultless 
before the presence of His glory with exceeding joy to God our Savior who alone is wise. Be glory, majesty, dominion, power now and forever. Amen. God would hear us. Amen? That God would hear you. You know, that God would hear you. I don't like when people pray for me and say, may God be with you. I want to look at them and say, he's always with me. He promised he'll never leave me nor forsake me. Don't pray that God will be with me because he's already with me. I'm born again. And he hears our, he waits to hear our prayers. He likes us to communicate with him. Listen, we're going to take an honorarium, pick up an honorarium right now. And um, a lot of the troops are not here. And um, so give a couple extra shekels. We're going to an honorarium for, for Todd and his ministry. Um, I appreciate it so very much. So ushers, come forward. We're going to pray for this. And then we're going to do something very special while we're picking up the, the honorarium. Um, Heavenly Father, I pray you, you bless those people who are giving. Um, this honorarium to bless Todd and his ministry. And uh, thank you for providing so we could be a conduit to your blessings. In Jesus' name, amen. Okay. So Chuck and Molly Trowbridge. Come on up here, Chuck, Molly. Come on up here. They're, 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 going, to be, they're going to be leaving us uh, Molly's finished with medical school, and Chuck works out of the house, so he can go any place. <laughs> come on, come on up here, come on up here, please. I, I know I've not asked you to do this, but I've never known you to be shy on words. <laughs> okay, these are your, this is your family, your friends. Okay, and you know Chuck and Molly have been a real asset to our congregation, and we're going to miss them. Uh, we've grown to love them a lot, so. You may just want to say something, one of you or both of you. I think we can both say from the bottom of our heart that the last six, seven years have been uh, both challenging, but with your help as a family, and we've both grown tremendously, and uh, we've both been through a lot. <laughs> I guess that's the first thing that comes to mind. Um, but the friendships that we have here run very deep, and... Uh, You guys have been our family. Yep. So. It's hard to say goodbye sometimes, isn't it? You know, when I go when I go to Mexico or someplace, I don't like saying goodbye. I go, I go send them out of there. <laughs> I'd like to have the elders come forward, please. Also, their home fellowship leader, Ben Holman. Come on forward. We're going to pray for them. We're going to pray a blessing over you. Just Ben, just you come forward. And uh, we're going to pray.
Lord, it's a real privilege to pray over Chuck and Molly. We love this couple. We are blessed by them. We have been blessed by them for many years. And we'll be blessed by their memories and the continued relationships across country, Lord. Lord God, we pray that that path in Texas is clear for them. Lord, the path that you would have laid out, that it would be easy and obvious, almost too easy, Lord, that they would know where to go and what to do and who to be with and even maybe, Lord, who not to be with. We would pray for their health, their jobs, and all those things that are connected to just daily living. But Lord God, above all, bless them, Lord, as they blessed us. We thank you for them. We send them from this place in love and in blessings. In Jesus' name. Amen. And we also pray that they find a, a good church home where they could be active in, not just pew sitters, but minister the grace that is in them. Thank you, Lord, for the opportunities that they have to serve you. Lord, we send them and we bless them. God, I pray you make their marriage strong, strong, as a testimony to you, in Jesus' precious name. Amen. Amen. Thank you. You know, one of the biggest challenges that couples have when they leave our our church, and they go to some, join some other church, and the other pastor says, well, tell me about your church. And they say it's a fundamentally evangelical, very conservative, charismatic church. And what else? And then they describe the different ministry, and they describe that it's a miracle church, that a Gentile church gives birth to a Jewish baby, <laughs> gives, church to, gives birth to a Messianic Jewish congregation. It's a miracle. So... Don't take it for granted. It is, it's really something. And it could not be done if you folks did not allow it to happen. Let's all stand together, okay? God wants to bless you. Number 621. May the Lord bless you and keep you. May the Lord make his face shine upon you and be gracious to you. May the Lord lift his countenance upon you and give you peace. Peace in your heart, knowing that you can come to him any time of the day and have a conversation because he loves you. In Jesus' precious name, amen. God bless you. Pray for Chuck and Molly. Don't let them just go. Amen.